Well, welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas, and we are so happy to have you with us today. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about kind of a deep topic, really. I think this is going to end up being one of those um, shows where we say, okay, well, we've kind of scratched the surface of this topic, but we're going to maybe need to do at least three or four more episodes on this. And and I think it's something that's going to be a theme that kind of weaves its way throughout the podcast's yes. future. Um, and the topic is internal integration. Right. This is an introduction to internal integration right. because it's so many faceted and layers that it's, a, I mean, we can do so many episodes and this is just a real passion of both Megan and mine to, to really get to the heart, our heart that is made in the image likeness of Christ and cutting through all that humanness that can, can like put the barriers up for that to happen. Right. And I think, you know, as we talk often on this show that um, the the program is really oriented towards relationships and how um, when we have healthy, holy relationships, that helps us um, know and love and serve God better. And um, often we forget that, you know, after our relationship with God, our primary relationship is the one with ourself, our, our understanding of who we are and um, how we think about who we are and how we relate to God and how we relate to others and the various aspects of what makes us who we are, um, because we are multifaceted individuals uh, that have a lot going on. And if we don't attend to that, if we don't really um, try to come to a place of, you know, the word integration, that means, you know, that the various parts of ourselves are working in harmony. Yes. If we don't do that, um, we are often going to function in life in very dysfunctional ways. Um <laughs> And I love how, you know, I think it's important to remember that, you know, when, when Christ gives us, you know, that, that golden rule that we all so love, which is um, to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we tend to just jump to our neighbor as far as loving and we forget the as yourself part. And the reality is if, if we don't understand and love ourselves in a holy way, we are not going to love others either. Right. It, it's foundational to stepping forth into the world and loving well to be well-ordered within ourselves. Right. I want to frame it just from my own personal experience as, as a Christian, um, loving my Catholic faith. I, I woke up kind of, so to speak, looking at my life and my activities what I was doing and I felt like it didn't really match up with my heart and my love of Christ. So for instance, I was spending, I was, I was keeping myself extraordinarily busy with things that didn't have a lot of depth to them and my, my world did not reflect it. So what I wanted to do then was start to, to grow closer to Christ and in my actions and my thoughts and my prayer. So I actually had to rearrange things to start to, to look at things in a different light. And the first stop always is in knowing thyself. And folks, this is a very tough thing to do. You have to be ready to be honest with yourself and to look at yourself, kind of discover sin and pour virtue on it to try and change that little bit of a trajectory is maybe the way you're going. I felt like I was like just kind of getting off the wrong, on the wrong track 
And I wanted to get back on the right track. And the first place I went was introspection about my life as a Christian and my behavior and how I acted. And mm-hmm. that's what had me start getting to a lot of really self-reflective. That was actually quite painful at times. Yeah. The, to, to, you know, explore the truth about yourself can can be a difficult process um, because we don't always like what it we see. It is a difficult process. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It is true. But it's the hard work for Christ. And, right. and I always encourage people. It is the hard work. You want to suffer for Christ? This is a great way to do it. And it's important to keep on the right mindset um, because there is a danger and. Um, in studying um, to become a spiritual director, I'm, I'm really becoming more and more aware of this. There is a danger to become too introspective where your focus is so much on yourself that you're actually losing sight of Christ. So what we should always be doing, and, and this you can really um, get in the habit of this as you do a daily examination of conscience, where you're trying to look at yourself, not through the lens of your own vision, which is distorted by sin and distorted by a lack of um, objectivity. You're trying to see yourself through the eyes of Christ. Everything always needs to be um, related to him and how he sees you. And if you use that perspective, you will be simultaneously more honest and more merciful. Both his justice and his mercy will come to you. And that will be fruitful in, instead of, you know, the enemy, he wants to get into this conversation big time because he loves to tell us lies about ourselves. It's like his favorite activity in the world to find out these little areas where we're vulnerable and get in there and plant the lie, the lie that's going to draw us away from the Lord. Right. And Megan, I want to make a point about that because God made us all so different and with so many different ways that we tick. The Satan can get into a prideful person and say, you're so great. You don't really need anybody else because your thoughts are great and wonderful. And then maybe someone on the other end of the spectrum, they get in there and say, you're so awful. You're so bad. You're not even worthy for God's love. So you see how there's a big wide span and we fall all over that spectrum. It's true. And the funny thing about that is, is that actually thinking you're totally awesome and thinking that you're totally worthless are actually the both the sin of pride, mm. because what it is, is you're saying that my understanding of myself is more important and more meaningful than God's understanding of me. Interesting. I've never seen it that way. Yeah, And so often people who have this sort of really negative self-talk, they convince themselves that it's really a virtue, that it's actually humility when um, yucky, derogatory, terrible things that you think about yourself, those are not from God. Not from God. And to attend to those and say, well, you know, you know, church tells me that God loves me and thinks I'm beautiful, wonderful creation. But I know the truth that I'm terrible and awful and worthless. Well, mm-hmm. you know the truth. I like to change that. Uh, I'm very much semantically oriented to change that to brokenness. We all have a brokenness about it. But when you see and hear brokenness and as opposed to I'm awful, there's nothing good in me, right. blah, blah, blah. You can see there's definitely a big difference in those two. So Absolutely. we are broken. We have a tendency towards sin. Yeah. You know, I mean, to say, I struggle with this, but oh, my gosh. God still loves me or I can do nothing without the Lord. That's the kind of thing where you say, I recognize that I am fallen and and helpless without God. But I recognize also that he loves me and gives me, you know, inherent dignity and all those sort of things. Right. So that's, you know, you can acknowledge that you without the Lord, 
are truly are nothing really, but that that isn't who you are because he is there and he does love you and he has created you and he is refining you. And so that perspective. So, um, you know, it is being right ordered toward his holy will. And we have to get out of the way to allow him to do this, whichever perspective we're coming from, whether it's an overabundance of pride or, or self-hate. Right. And then, um, you know, obviously it gets complicated too when we start taking other people's opinion of us as the determiner of who we are, as opposed to how God sees us. You know, that, that again is a sin of vanity um, where we put other people in God's place as prioritizing their view of who we are and defining ourselves by them. But I do want to kind of talk, there are really kind of four aspects of what makes up a human being and they're all important. And we all, we do tend to prioritize some more than others and, and not realize that we, you know, maybe are struggling to be well-formed in some areas. So I think we'll, we'll name them all and then we can kind of talk about them each individually. So the four areas of what make up the human person generally are the physical, the psychological, emotional, and spiritual. Yes. So I think the physical one is the easiest one to sort of conceptualize. So maybe we'll just talk about that one. Good. And I will say that I do think that this is one that is very neglected in people's lives a lot of times or overly emphasized. Yes. In the overemphasization, that was hard to, <laughs> hard to say, actually. But that has happened more in recent years, I would say, than in the past. Um, but I speak to this kind of coming from an interesting standpoint of having, you know, been trained as a physician. So the physical body was kind of what I was learning how to treat and deal with. When I decided not to practice medicine and then was... Um, kind of exploring other things. I spent a time um, being a personal trainer uh, for people who wanted to increase their fitness level and that sort of thing. Um, so I do really think about the physical um, in, in the sort of way of having been through those experiences. But then as a Catholic coming into the church, um, the physical aspect of the Catholic faith um, has been so important to me. Like it really, really speaks to me how the Catholic faith, we engage our bodies in our prayer. Uh, that is really meaningful and to me. the beauty of our churches. Oh my. Yeah. The, the, the spaces and, um, but, and obviously the most significant important thing is the Eucharist and how Christ gives himself to us physically, his body, his blood. He gives us in the Eucharist. And so that, that reality that God became man, he took on flesh, he became incarnate, that I think elevates our physical body in a way that wouldn't have happened to the same degree in the Old Testament, right? Because God taking on flesh is a big deal, right? So the fact that he did that elevates the importance of our physical nature, but then also beyond that, that he gives us his physical body in the Eucharist to feed us um, means that God, he thinks our bodies are important, important to the extent that he promises that on the last day, 
we will be resurrected in our bodies. So these physical being, you know, machines that we often think of nowadays, like we tend to, you know, sort of despiritualize our bodies um, are really important to God. And if we are not taking care of them, then in a way that's not really honoring the gift that God has given us in them. And, you know, I just think a lot of us think that we can pursue these other areas of development in our lives, spiritual, psychological, emotional, and it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. Like, it doesn't matter that we don't exercise or that we eat like junk and that we're super overweight or things like that. Now, I'm a, you know, physician. I know that there's a lot of factors involved in what your weight is. Like, so people get so hyper-focused on that, right? Your weight. But you can see people who sometimes, you know, physically look heavy, but they can go out and run five miles. Mm. Whereas there's skinny mini over here who can barely get up off the couch without having being short of breath. So the, the point being is that we've been given this gorgeous gift of a physical body that, let me tell you, as a person who is trained in medicine, it is miraculous. Miraculous. What our bodies mm. can do, how they function. They are amazing. Absolutely amazing. And as someone who works in fertility, miraculous is very... (laughs) Yeah, it's really (laughs) very accurate. We need to honor that aspect of who we are and take care of that temple that God has given us. Um, I'm so passionate about this idea that I have decided that when I become a spiritual director, soon, actually, I'm getting very close to being uh, trained up, I am going to incorporate this idea into my spiritual direction where I'm not just going to ask people, you know, how's your prayer life? I'm going to say, you know, how are you physically? How's your body? What are you doing to use that to um, serve God? Right. Sleep is a big one. Sleep Mm. is also a very big one when it comes to physical health because we are just generally deprived of sleep. We don't understand how important that is to us. Right. That's it's a very vital part of that integration. Yeah. And it's not just about, okay, eating well, exercising, those sort of things. Those are very important. And not only are they important for just treating your body well and honoring it as a gift from God. A temple. A temple. But they also it also impacts your ability to go forth and build the kingdom. If you're yes. if you're, yes. you know, struggling from all kinds of sicknesses that come from, you know, not treating your body well, you're not going to be able to have the energy and the verve to go out there and serve the Lord in, in a, you know, kind of enthusiastic way. So that's important. Those things just, you know, keeping that good general health. But it's also important, the things that you do with your body that may or may not be sinful. Like, you know, chastity. Are you using your body in a way sexually that is not ordered towards God's will? That isn't, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That impacts the rest of your life. It impacts your spiritual health. It impacts your psychological health and your emotional health. How we use our bodies matters. If we're doing anything that's abusive towards another person. Or ourselves. Or ourselves, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are serious things. We need to honor our body, and we need to honor the bodies of others. Otherwise, we're not going to be properly ordered within ourselves. 
So, you know, to say, oh, it's no big deal if I do this, that, or the other, you know, or I can, you know, God doesn't care, or I can, you know, I can just confess it or whatever. Well, don't let yourself off so the hook so easily as it relates to your body, because God does care. He gave you that body, and he wants you to treat it with reverence as the gift that it is from him. I have a question for you. When we're talking about the physical integration, give us an idea of what the goal would be physically well integrated. Um, You've talked about many different things. So just paint us a picture of what that would look like. A person that? I would say a person that treats their body as it is truly a gift from God. So say, for example, think about yourself um, on the final day right? Where you're reunited with your body, your soul and your body are reunited if you died before that day. The way things are looking, some of us may actually be alive on that day. So, you know, you don't have to have the the reintegration. You could just still be together. But what if you're standing in front of Christ and he's going through your life and he's say, okay, I gave you a beautiful gift that is your body. How did you treat it? How did you treat that gift I gave you? Can you say to him that I valued that gift? I found that gift to be precious and an example of your love for me. And so I took care of it. I honored it. My answer is going to be some decades were better than others. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be the case. It's, It's going to be true. But like, I also kind of, one day I thought to myself, and I, I fail on this constantly, so I'm going to give the mea culpa before I even say it. But I thought to myself, what if I fed my body like only things that I would feed Jesus if he came to my house? Like, that's a certain way to think about it, too. Like, if I were ministering to the body of Christ, as far as what I would give him to eat or what I would put on him to wear or you know, what I would invite him to do with me in a physical way. Could I say that every, that what I do with my own body, I would be comfortable doing to his body. Mm. That's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of that. And the truth of the matter is when we receive the Eucharist, his body is in our body. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, every time I receive the Eucharist, um, at mass, like later, you know, afterwards, you know, I think to myself, Lord, please don't let me do anything that would, you know, offend you, offend you mm-hmm. as I, as I carry you in my life and in my body now, like, let me be, help me to be worthy of this gift of yourself that you've just given me. Yeah. And I feel that very strongly when it comes to getting ready for mass. Mm-hmm. Um, I, our family, well, I guess I should say me <laughs> more than anything else. Um, I want to dress up. I am going to go see the king of the universe mm-hmm. in the Eucharist. So I want to be my best. I want my Sunday. There's a reason why they call it Sunday best, but that sure has fallen away over the last couple of decades. It, I can, just in the time that I've been attending mass, which is about 28 years now, um, since I've been Catholic and I've seen it g- go from Sunday best to off the street kind of stuff. I mean, I do believe that God wants you to be there no matter what. Yes, that is true mm-hmm. and good. But if you have a choice, choose the good yeah. dress up. So I'm trying to pass it on to my kids to, you know, have a absolutely no blue jeans to, <laughs> to mass right. rule. Uh-huh. You know, they can wear black pants, but you know, 
I prefer dresses. <laughs> For the I ladies, yeah, slacks you. for the guys. Loved all the gentlemen to have a, a a blazer of some kind. You know, have a jacket. I think that's really proper. Anyway, that's just one of those those things about meeting Jesus in the Eucharist in a physical way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the physical of of all of these is the most visible, obviously, right? So if if you want to be that visible witness to the Lord, like how you present yourself physically is is the first thing people say it's that first impression right so if you honor your body and you and you wear clothes that that are appropriate and um you know you have a sort of a healthy glow of someone who takes care of themselves uh that's that's going to start the the impression of i'm someone that's ordered towards the good towards right. God's will for my life. So kind of wrap up the physical part. You can take good care of yourself, both physically and exteriorly. Keep clean. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm-hmm. That's another one. That's too. my mom's favorite yeah. one. <laughs> Those are kind of things we can do about the physical diet, right. exercise, appearance, uh, so forth. But the next one we're going to talk about is the psychological aspect. So break that down a little bit. What do you mean by that exactly? Right. So psychological, the way I would describe it is... Um, the way you think. And it's, this one is so much based on your human formation. And temperament. And temperament. Yes. Too, uh, for sure. Temperament also really impacts, um, actually temperament impacts all of those other ones. The emotional, the spiritual is all engaged there. Um, But the psychological are, it's, it's more the physical, like, it's a, it has a physical element. Is it's very much your mind. Like you know, we talk a lot about your mind and your heart, right? As sort of being kind of two areas of our existence, right? Reason and and then emotion, emotion, yeah. pathos, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call it. Um, so the psychological is more the the mind thing, the reasons, the the way you think through things, the 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 belief systems that you have. Uh, regarding yourself and others um, that are so much impacted by um, your human experience. Uh, and often the psychological is, you know, like if you're thinking about, um, and, and again, the point is here as far as integration is that these don't exist in a vacuum, right? They all bleed into each other. They all impact each other. So if you're disordered in your thinking, that's totally going to affect your emotional state because right. how you respond to things is going to um, engage your emotions and, and define your emotions. Um, They're each cogs in the uh, right. the mind. But I would say that the, together. But the psychological is very much patterns of thought um, and kind of the human formation aspect of what made you who you are. Yeah. I have a point on that too. That Just, uh, just my experience of um, working with women is, and I don't know if this is a woman thing, but I think it's across the board is monitoring your self-talk mm-hmm. in your mind. How are you talking to yourself? Is it overly positive or is it overly negative? Is it spot on? Is it in consultation with Christ? So that self-talk I think is a very large component of the psychological aspect. Absolutely. And um, when we were talking about, I think it was on one of the mask episodes, actually, I talked about um, attachment theory, uh, the psychological theory of attachment theory, which um, I, having studied it a little bit, really, really think it's profoundly impactful. Um, It has to do with how our relationships with 
our earliest caregivers, particularly our parents, but, you know, it might have been, you know, grandparents and siblings or whatever, depending on your family dynamics. But those um, foundational relationships set a pattern of thinking and of understanding the world that moves forward into your life. Um, so what you can find is if people had um, disordered attachment um, in their early life uh, where, you know, maybe they didn't feel like they could rely on their caregivers or their caregivers were very... Um, uh, aloof, aloof, mm -hmm. or actually um, abusive, or any of these sort of things, where they didn't create a safe harbor or a firm foundation for them. Emotionally absent. Yeah, the, those things too. Mm -hmm. What it, it infects your, it impacts your psychology, so that the way you interact with the p other people, the expectations you have of other people, um, the way you think, is so much ordered towards whether those needs were fulfilled early on. So what the psychological then does is um, it takes those early things and sort of marches them through your life. And what you find is particularly most people, when they look at their life, they can acknowledge, okay, I really, really struggle in these areas. Like I'm say somebody, I struggle with this. They they struggle with anxiety or they struggle with um, trust or they struggle self -doubt. with self-doubt or feeling loved or whatever. Like a lot of how we experience those issues can be emotional. We have emotional responses that, um, that we experience, but they actually have their root in the psychological because their root is the way you think about other people and yourself. And it's really getting down to those root um, ideas about who you are and who you are in relation to God and who you are in relation to others that really has this sort of um, web. It just right. gathers everything in. I would say that for the point of this episode, we're just talking about a kind of a self-awareness on the psychological part and like family of origin and how that may have impacted the way your thought patterns were formed. Right. And, and as far as integration thing goes is what I would say is, is if you're recognizing that you struggle in certain circumstances or with certain relationships, and it's just a pattern in your life that if you're going to be a well-integrated individual, you have to say, okay, I think I'm struggling with, you know, some ways I think about myself or the way I think about others and, and, start getting into trying to understand where that came from. Because if we don't actually get down to the root of it, then we're never going to really change the pattern because um, we can't really understand where it's coming from. And so we lose that sense of having any, any um, ability to impact things for the good. Right. I want to just, just do a plug for a couple of deep dive books, which would be um, Bob Schutz's Be Healed and Neil Lozano's Unbound, those were two oh, powerfully yeah. impacting mm -hmm. on me to kind of pull back the, the proverbial uh, curtains on myself about the way I ticked and about my personal sin and how to move past it. So um, be yeah. healed and yeah. unbound. And one of the things I would say about the psychology side of things is that um, I think a lot of faithful Christians um, have over the years gotten a little frightened of um, counseling psychology, things like that, because let's be honest, like some of the 
popular psychology stuff has really gone off the rails. Yeah, it's gotten hijacked. It's so it's gotten so like it's secular, secular, and really focused on selfishness. I think just really like you know. You go after whatever it is makes you happy and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or feels, you know, and that's not our faith. That's not who we're called to be at all. No, that's that secularism. Right. So I understand a wariness of secular psychology, but I will say this in the training that I've been doing for spiritual direction, it's done. I'm doing it through um, Divine Mercy University, which is um, a school that. Also does um, master's degrees in pastoral counseling and clinical psychology. And so they have a really strong foundation in human psychology in addition to um, spiritual things. And so what I'm seeing is how profound working together with the psychological sciences that have been, you know, rooted in Christ's teachings through the church can augment the growth in the spiritual life. So I would really recommend anybody who's listening, if you're struggling just constantly with human relationship issues and, and, you know, problems uh, within yourself where you just can't seem to figure out why you just constantly behave a certain way or constantly respond a certain way to circumstances, don't be afraid to seek out a good Christian counselor. It can really, really help. It, it's not, it shouldn't be shameful because God wants us to find healing in all areas of our lives so that we can become fully who God made us to be. And he's, you know, he's given these people who have a heart to heal and put them in these places and, it, you know, do your homework, make sure that they are, um, you know, Orthodox and Christian belief. And I would, if if you're Catholic, I would say go to a good Catholic one, one that you've really researched and is faithful to the teachings of the church. You don't want to be led astray, but don't be ashamed to get help because they can give you tools in addition to helping you understand the root of things. They can also give you practical tools for um, modifying your behaviors so that they can, you can start acting in ways that are healthier. Um, so I just want to make that plug. I, okay. yeah. you know, for, I think, I think for psychological on. counseling, if, if you're struggling really. Okay. So the next one we're going to talk about is emotional, but Megan, if you break down the, the separation, make it a little more clear for us between the psychological and the emotional. I would just do it in two words. The psychological is thinking and emotional is feeling. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, the, and like, how often have we had emotions where we're like, I know this is totally irrational, but I just feel this way, mm-hmm. right? The psychological is the rational side of things. And sometimes our quote unquote rational thinking can actually be irrational, but we perceive it as rational <laughs> sometimes. But our emotions really aren't so much about reason. They are about our um interior heart response to things. Right. And in physical reactions too. Oh, I, the emotions know, and the physical oh are tied gosh, really so close. closely. Yeah. So close. Yeah. That was yeah. really important for me to, to hear. It's okay to go into a crucial conversation knowing you're going to be uncomfortable, but that's okay. 
Mm, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you can feel that. Mm-hmm. Like when your heart rate starts going up, sweaty. maybe you're getting a little sweaty, <laughs> yeah. your mouth get a little dry. Like just because you're having a strong physical, emotional response to something, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's difficult. <laughs> right. But our emotions, I think in this day and age, um, ever since sort of like the enlightenment um, has taken on such a big portion of how we think as a culture, there's been a lot of um, delegitimizing of emotions um, over time so that people have gotten to the point, a lot of people where it's like, well, if you're, you know, responding out of emotion, you're just being irrational and, you know, you should just use your mind and every, that should trump everything. And I think that got really bad. And then then we started getting kind of overcorrecting where all, all of a sudden it started to be like, Everything has to be about your emotions. And if you feel something, then that's, that's, you know, trumps everything else. Yes. You just go with how you feel. If it I feels was, good, do it. If it I doesn't feel good, don't that. do it. I was yeah. raised with that theory. Right. So here you get these two extremes, right? These, it was like, it's either got to be completely reason or completely emotion. And as we know, virtue generally isn't, it's not at the extremes. Virtue is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Virtue is when you acknowledge your feelings, but then you still bring in your reason. Yes, measured approach. Yeah. A measured approach. Yeah. And I think it's always important to really pay attention to our feelings because they do inform us about things. Like instead of but instead of focusing on the emotion itself, you gotta get to the why am I feeling this way? You know? You can be like, I'm so anxious. I'm so nervous. I'm so, and just like totally focus on, you know, the physical aspect of that emotion and and whatever, and never get to the point of like, why am I so nervous? Like, what am I scared of? Like, what do I think is going to happen? Right. Right. Well, I personally have gone through a little exercise like this in my head where I'm like, man, I am feeling so anxious today. Do I have any reason to feel anxious? No, I don't really think I have intellectually any reason to be anxious yet. I am. So it's just a physical response to whatever it might be. So being able to parse the difference between sometimes a a physical reaction to your intellectual thought and see, are they lining up? Are they not lining up? Is it then look at it from that aspect of like, no, maybe it's just my day to be anxious or something like that. Right. Well, I do think, though, that sometimes when you do the the digger deep, the deeper dig, um, you will start to learn something. I think a lot of times the emotions will actually tell us about our psychology. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of the entry point where, say, say for example. The compass to point you. Yeah. 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 So say, say for example, somebody did something that you feel hurt like and you're like why did that why is that hurting me like if somebody else did it, i wouldn't even care but for some reason but now but i feel hurt i feel yucky about this and so you could just sit there being like well that person hurt me i feel hurt by them you know and just focus on that (laughs) yeah or you could do that or you could say well let me try to understand what is it why did i feel hurt by that you think okay so what happened you know this happened okay well, when they did that, that hurt me because it made me feel like they didn't really care about what I think. Okay, so that made me think that maybe what I think doesn't matter to them. Maybe maybe I don't really matter to them. And I'm afraid that they don't really love me like I love them. And maybe 
I'm afraid that nobody can really love me. Like it can go yes. down that far. Yeah, for sure. Right. I like the way you do that. And mm-hmm. so then what happens is then you can get to that point of, okay, why do I think that? Why do I think that, you know, that someone wouldn't love me? Where did I come up with that? Right, right. I like to say identifying the lie behind it. Right, exactly. Identify That's exactly the lie. Yes, ma'am. But those emotions, especially, I mean, obviously negative emotions can very much be that signpost that says there's a lie here. Yes. You know, and, and it can help you find your way to the lie. Now, positive emotions, I mean, those obviously are going to point us then to what? The truth. The truth of who I am, the truth of who God is, the truth of who other people are. And so if we really attend to those beautiful, positive emotions, what does that do? That brings us to a place of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And gratitude is such a beautiful place to be, to be grateful to God for making me, to be grateful to God for this world that he's given me and the people he's placed in my life, grateful to those people who I love and who love me. And, you know, that brings me joy, that brings me peace, that brings me fulfillment and all these things. And, but if we minimize our emotions, if we delegitimize our emotions, we lose the signpost to learn where the lies are and we lose the exit signs towards grace and towards joy and towards gratitude. So emotions are really important and powerful and useful. Now it's important that we don't just sit in them though. Like that right. they or are. let them take control. Right. Yeah. That, you know, our reason is meant to be employed. The intellect. Yes. Yes. For um, sure. But not independent of our emotions. And sometimes, you know, we think, okay, my, you know, I need, I need it to go from my mind to my heart. Right. Like, you know, I've heard that said that the farthest distance is that 12 feet, 12 inches between your mind and your heart. But we often go that direction. But sometimes actually we need to go from the heart to the mind. Like our mind needs to learn from our emotions instead of our mind trying to control our emotions. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I personally, you know, my in my personal prayer life, I focused a lot on my heart because we feel like Christ is really centered in our hearts and he is, we welcome him into our hearts. We hope he takes up rest in our hearts. And as I've worked on that for many, many years, I started getting this spark of, man, I need to have more purity of mind. Like my mind mm-hmm. is a place that now kind of can run amok at times, entertaining too many negative right. thoughts or whatever. So it's interesting you're bringing that up because now I want this heart-mind connection to to really purify my thoughts, to reflect the, the love that Jesus, I feel him in my heart, uh, but need to have that transfer into my mind. Right. And I think this is one of these areas where there's going to be a tendency of people to be more towards one end than the other, mm. right? Like, I mean, if I'm going to say it in terms of, say, like religious orders, on one end, there'd be Franciscans. They're more the emotional kind of folks. And the other end would be the Thomistics, where they're the real heady kind of people, right? right. And so if, you're, if you tend to be more up in your head, well, then that means that you're probably a little weaker on the emotional side of really getting in touch with the emotional side. That's important. You need to work on that. Integration. Integration. Yeah. If you happen to be someone who's like really in touch with your emotions and, every, and that tends to, you know, really be the thing that order you order things around, 
you need to work on the head part of things, your psychology, because they're both important. They're both part. They're both parts of who God made you to be, and how He's going to sanctify right. you and um, continue to help you grow. So we can't ignore those any part because we happen to find one part easier than the other. Which this is a great segue into the spiritual aspect too, because that's right. exactly where we've gone. <laughs> that's the next thing of the integration is spiritual. Right. In in I mean, I think this is so important to remember that if you want to grow in your spiritual life, it's going to involve all of these things. You can't just like say, all right, I'm just going to grow, grow holy and think that your emotions, your psychology and your physical body have nothing to do with it. Right. Right. But the reality is, is that I want to grow in holiness. The spiritual aspect is actually the be all and end all point of where we want to go. Right. That, that is what, that is our goal in life, if we're really serious about um, becoming saints, is to grow in our spiritual development. And if we really, really want that, then we need to acknowledge that we can't get that unless we also do the work on the other three. So true, Megan. They are the building blocks to lead us there, which is, you can't go forward to, to, to knock out the other four legs of the table, the physical, psychological, and emotional. You're not going to get to a spiritual level that Christ intends for you to. Right. Um, but keeping everything rooted in that desire for growing in holiness and growing in relationship with God, um, that, that's really going to needs to be foundational. Um, and just like we said at the beginning, all of this work needs to be done through the eyes, through the mind of Christ, right? How we see ourselves, how we, um, you know, try to engage our various aspects of who we are always in his spirit, asking for his wisdom, asking for discernment, um, sharing with him everything, everything within us, giving to him, not only the, you know, our gratitude for the ways that we're doing well, but also giving to him our poverty, our, the ways we're failing, the ways we're struggling and, and just saying, Lord, I bring you into those. Um, and so that our spiritual self will be integrated with everything else. If we are constantly recollecting ourselves towards God. And this is, I'll, I'll give a little anecdote because this is, I think it's kind of funny, <laughs> but like when I'm sometimes I just feel like I need to be a vegetable like, and, <laughs> and just watch a stupid show, like, I don't know, like a cooking show or, or some, I've really gotten pretty strict about what I'm willing to watch these days. Yes, Likewise. But you know, you can find some things that are not, you know, at all problematic from a moral standpoint. So sometimes I just like need to sit in front of the TV and just, bleh. but in those times, I also sometimes feel like, well, I probably should be praying too. I mean, that would be, would be a better use of my time, wouldn't it? But there's this weariness in me that at times where I just feel like I just, I just need to be and, you know, kind of stare at the TV. So when I do that and I have that feeling that I should be praying instead, I will literally say, Jesus, will you just sit and watch this show with me? Can we sit together and just be together and just relax side by side? And I'll um, kind of bring him spiritually into the moment such that I just, I want to be with you, but I also really tired. And this is what I feel like is going to, you know, give me a little recreation at this moment, but I still want to be with you. And I think every aspect of our lives, if 
becomes spiritual and becomes integrated if we make that our anchor, bring Christ into everything. That's that's the ordering principle. Yes, yes. He's the cornerstone, right? Yeah, He's the sure foundation. And we are building on sinking sand unless we're building on Christ and his love for us and his understanding of who we are. And if we think the work of integration is our work, we're wrong. Mm. You still have to have willingness. The willingness for sure. The surrender of the will mm. to him. But say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And the, the amount of selflessness it takes, that self-emptying, you know, like, Lord, empty me of me so that I can be filled with only you. Well, the emptying part is looking at those places that are blocking him from entering into your heart, Absolutely. into your mind. Yeah. Instead of hiding or trying to, you know, just not think about that area that I'm struggling in psychologically or falling short physically or whatever, you say, come into it. I you know, I think it was Pope John Paul II that used to say, throw wa- open wide the doors of faith, right? Well, throw open wide the doors of every part of who you are and let him come in. Let his spirit infuse every single aspect of who you are and then you will become one. Jesus prayed that we would all be one as individuals. He wants us to be one within ourselves too. Mm-hmm. One with him. Kind of like you know, we are broken. He wants to put us back together in a well-ordered way. Right. And he's the mortar. Yes. He's the mortar that puts it all yes. together and that'll make it strong and firm. I think that's a good place to end. End Me with too. Christ. So, Absolutely. But we, we'll, we'll um, definitely come back to some of these topics and explore them and go into deeper depth um, with them because uh, they're so important about who we are yeah. and how we love and how we relate to each other. This is just the intro to human integration. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you'll come back next time. And until then, God bless. <laughs>